Welcome back to Sidewalk Skyline Podcast. On today's episode, we're hearing part two of my conversation with Timothy Meisenheimer. Tim is the uh, chaplain at Ottawa Mission and founder of Capital City Mission uh, in Ottawa. And uh, in our conversation today, one of the things that we discuss is what will it be like post-COVID uh, is, and then also what have been some of the impacts that uh, the pandemic and its regulations have had on the poorest, on people that are street affiliated. So um, I think you're going to enjoy some of Tim's insights as we go to that conversation now. We're all regularly, daily, um, making reference points, you know, to, well, Pre-COVID, this is what we did, you know, yeah. and, um, you know, we're not, uh, I, I haven't met a lot of people uh, or heard a lot of people talking positively about what it's going to be like post-COVID uh, because I don't think we we know. And I think uh, there's a certain, you know, shadow over the land, a shadow over the world around this. Um, but when we think about, the, the kind of work that we've been called to in urban ministry, um, there's a profound effect we're seeing, um, you know, on, on how uh, regulations are affecting street life and, and mission life. Um, on one hand, uh, you know, when people have asked me in the past about Windsor, Windsor, like Sudbury, like Hamilton, like Oshawa, it's a blue collar town historically, uh, or Calgary and Edmonton with the oil industry. We, we know Boston and boom. And, yeah. and so we uh, know sort of the, the economic pressures and when plants close down and, and uh, mines shut down and and all of a sudden it becomes newsworthy and a lot of people are losing jobs. And, and so we have this kind of, um, you know, dynamic that we're, we're used to, but I, I've made the comment on occasion that it doesn't matter if Windsor is uh, prospering or uh, facing high unemployment, life on the streets and, and life for the poorest doesn't change a whole lot nope. and uh but now but then when we look at something like um the changes around um public health and and keeping people safe and vaccinations and all of that stuff this is having a really profound effect on uh on the poor and and i just wonder if you can maybe comment on what you're seeing on the streets and what you're seeing in mission life through uh, 2020 and 2021. Uh, this is, this is really, really important to talk about. Yeah, it really is. You know, 2020 was uh, downtown when basically the poor owned the street because they were the only one in Ottawa that was on the street. The fear factor for you know people i'll name groups of people and where they work <laughs> but it was extreme 
Like there was, you would go down to the street, say, you know, most people has been auto have been to the Rideau Center. So that's the main drag right from east to west there. And there was nobody. I mean, not a soul unless they were laying down on fentanyl. You know what I mean? They were like poor, extreme poor. And not just the, you know, the people that are, I mean, we're talking, it was a ghost town for months and months and months. And then even as we got into that summer, when things seemed to loosen up a bit, well, they didn't really there because people still weren't feeling that that's where they could go. So, you know, that area takes in, like you said much earlier, two extremes, you know, tourists with lots of money usually, or, you know, they, anybody can pay $400 a night for a hotel room, either they have money or they're going in debt. But anyway, um, lots of money. And then, and then condos that, they just continued to pound out. And in reflection of where Capital City Mission is, that's the biggest change is what's happened is there's less affordable housing, there's more condos, uh, and Capital City Mission's just up that street from the Rideau Center, not even like 700 meters, right? So, um, and then less families, less community building people, and more of the people laying around the streets. Our streets, in 20 years have never looked like this. It We're, is a, a complete, um, you know, it's almost too, it's the zombie thing. That's, mm -hmm. It's so uh, distressing. And as I said earlier, I like to walk up and engage people and smile at them and, and recognize them as human beings and then just see if they have any, if they have any want to talk or if they have any want and, and um, this is a whole different day. So the extreme of what it's done to the street people and then what it did in 2020. So then in 2021, it became like, okay, let's, let's get out a little bit. Let's, the restrictions changed a bit, but the actual street thing, it, they, they just increased mm -hmm. the actual drug crisis that we're facing. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I really, I really, um, it, yeah, it's very concerning now in my office, uh, which I'm in as little as possible. But the other day, a guy called me, you know, he's at a palliative care home, the, the um, Elizabeth Briere is called. Anyway, and he changed when COVID started because he works, he's in a wheelchair, but he works in places like that. He transferred to another place um that would be easier for him for getting there and whatnot because transportation that's a whole other subject in Ottawa right now but um uh is is very hard for people during COVID too especially the poor because they don't have cars and they don't have the ability to pick you know or or, or uber money um so he transferred and you know he's out of he's out of work now and living with threats of that um, and this is a complete stranger to the mission, calling the mission, asking is, he, he actually asked me, what is a Christian mission? That's how he introduced me. What is a Christian mission? Are you a Christian mission? And I'm like, how do you define that? <laughs> you know, and then he defined it. And I said, yeah, we have chaplaincy services that is exactly focused on what you're looking for. Mm. How we can help is going to be, you know, uh, and, and we had a really good encouraging talk. So this is like, it's not just 
it's just right through the the the, the culture of of the, the COVID culture, which some yeah. of us are starting to call a religion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Fent- fentanyl and, and meth, certainly we're, we're seeing that everywhere. There's, there's just a rapid acceleration of harmful addiction. Uh, I don't know if there's helpful addiction, but when we talk about fentanyl, when we talk about meth, we're, we're not talking about the same drug war, the same drug crisis that we used to. This is, this is at a, an intensity that yeah. uh, has, has not been seen, I don't think. Um, those, those numbers are increasing. Uh, how about homelessness in Ottawa? Is that on the increase? Well, we, our city has in, in different missions, the larger missions um, that there are, ours included have you know this housing first model that is very much working mm-hmm. it doesn't work for people that are on fentanyl because they don't care about being housed um and so it's that in between thing i mean we have fairly large harm reduction work being done which it saves lives the bottom mm-hmm. line is anybody doesn't under it saves lives it doesn't make anybody's life perfect and the idea that you can fix people is is well, lacking it, mercy you know but, it slows the bleed right yeah well and it and, and it gives maybe i mean the in my my work with it with harm reduction it may give the person some time to feel like they can get some connections in their life that's the whole thing if you just you know harm reduction will only manage how much you use and all that stuff and there's not some people there that say you you matter mm-hmm. Because in the highs and lows, in which, you know, most of it's all lows right now, the drugs are downers, right, they call them. Mm-hmm. And they, they just, they make people veg, vegetables, um, yeah. and they're not. In between those highs and lows, you just hope that in when some moment they have a balance and they see somebody that has, you know, the, you know, the face of Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and, we'll, and they'll start to gradually say, you know, and then I see... I see the odd person coming back to me and saying, I know you care. And I'm like, you know, I used to say, well, go in peace. But now it's like I'm going in pieces, right? That's what a lot of people are saying. I'm going in pieces. And so it takes a lot of patience to work with people of that level of addiction. And it's very misunderstood with that transformation of harm reduction. Without the connections and the belongings, without the relationships, which we're supposed to be the ones that know something about, (laughs) right? Christians. And, um, and so without that, that'll fail. I mean, even when you go back to program stuff, which I really believe in also like AANA and all those things, how much is happening because of the connections at meetings and it's not perfect. Like harm reduction isn't, because, you know, people go to a meeting to find a wife, you know, I mean, they don't go to a meeting to get, it happens. Yeah. It's human beings. It's like yeah. church, you know, it's like good intentions don't always work out the way you hope. But um, I really believe that that stress is, is, uh, and it's, it's, it's more aimed at just general public. I believe, I believe that, uh, the religion that we we didn't know that was opening in the last 
10, 15 years in our culture is the, uh, you know, when, uh, if there's anything that's God, I mean, I, this may sound blunt, but is, is control, convenience and comfort. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are, are the Trinity of North American life, <laughs> having those three things. I know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I'll always be secure. It's, it's who, who's, who's in control. I'm in control, right? Mm. Um, you know, uh, convenience, man, I, I mean, I don't even, I'm going to get Uber or whatever, Amazon to deliver everything to my door. I mean, that whole thing is a whole other big subject, but it's just convenience, convenience, convenience. I won't even have to go to talk to anybody, right? <laughs> I right. won't have to put up with the line. I won't have to, I'm missing all this life. I mean, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be in traffic. I mean, maybe we had something that was happening in our life when we were slowed down by being in traffic, you know, mm. um, and then just comfort every moment. So it's easy to look at the junkie and, you know, the addict or the person with the, a lot of it is too, is that it's people with concurrent disorders. They have maybe the substances over years have contributed to mental health. Obviously they do. It's a chemical, but um, you know, like it, we, as I believe the, you know, people who follow Jesus need to find mercy for this and, right. and, and find a way to think about it other than there's a solution. We're going to build a place and we're going to send them all there and they're all going to get better. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's going to take a lot of Bruce Martins. <laughs> it's gonna take <laughs> yeah, and I and I isn't that what he said? Follow me. He didn't say follow, yeah. you know, my program. He just said yeah. follow me. And so that's people that I believe are attempting to do that are the ones that one by one are gonna change their neighborhoods and their communities. Thank you. I, thank you for giving me a new mantra. What would Bruce Martin do? <laughs> we get bracelets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, what about what are you seeing uh, on the streets and in the missions uh, in terms of people who are new to street life? We've you and I have been around long enough in urban ministry to um, I, I can think of, um, you know, families where I, I knew the, uh, the grandparent. Yeah. And and I know there now I know the children. And yeah. probably soon I'll know the children's children. So yeah. we, we, we get this, you know, four to six generational span yes. of people that, you know, we know people that have generational poverty that, yeah. you know, there, there's a, there's a uh, thread running through that family and they never uh, rise to the middle class. That's, yeah. That's one thing. And, and sometimes, uh, you know, there's maybe that's the more stable population in poverty. But then yeah. there, there are other people who uh, they are new to uh, the street. Right. They are new to the bottom. And uh, in the last couple of years, what have, have you seen in terms of people who are oh, new yeah. to poverty, new to desolation? Absolutely. And some, a portion of that, not all, I don't want it to be one idea, but a portion of that is immigrants with wrap services as individuals. So obviously we don't 
accommodate, we can accommodate men and men and women in our hospice, right? So we, and, um, and so when I have many people, even the last three, four years, who are every bed was full. So when every bed's full, if uh, the other missions in town are all full too, we put out mats and pillows on the chapel floor. We had another 25 or 30 people, right, on the mm -hmm. floor. And so they can lay down at eight o'clock at night and they got to get up at seven in the morning, have a shower, and we roll up the mats, clean them all and everything. So yeah. I can't believe how many guys were like, I couldn't believe it. I found myself, I was in you know a suburb here and my life was going this way. Either a relationship broke down, a financial thing broke down or some kind of grief came upon me. And then within months, I'm laying on the mission floor and I'm not, and this is one of the interesting things is that um, they don't think they're them, right? Right, right. And so they meet a chaplain that says, it's all us. <laughs> yeah. There is no us in them. We are, we, we are all children of God and we all have our father. And so this place is here for you to get to know that, that he created you fearfully and wonderfully in his image. This is who you are. Right. Yeah. You're here. This isn't your identity. It, it you're can, poor. Yeah. It's, and so it's, you know, and I've had the experience, I've done the family funerals, I've done that through the years. So those people that have always been in lower town, especially in that area, know lots of them, but the, the intake of uh, immigrants and uh, people that are just afraid of where they're at. And they, it's a, you know, it's very, it's, it's intimidating to be, go out the back door and there's like, you know, uh, um, just everything that you're going to see. And so I am merciful, you know, mercy triumphs over judgment is my, my biggest tagline. And so I'm merciful for them and I help them to understand, well, this is why this is, this is supposed to be short term and we will help you find a place to live. We, mm -hmm. we do this right mm -hmm. again, we accommodate right. as best we can. And, and then as the story unravels, some people are there for 14 days. Some people are there for years, especially some of the immigrants individual uh, in, uh, coming from different parts of the world. They're like, my life's never been better. I got three mm -hmm. meals. I got a shower. You guys respect me. I don't want to move. <laughs> to kind of nudge them <laughs> along and say, well, we have people that will help you get a place. Right. Right. So we're fortunate. I mean, in the size of the center we're in, we have a lot more accommodality or accommodating power mm. from the, you know, you mentioned Oshawa, Hamilton, Sudbury, or those places or Windsor, they have a little bit less, but I would also say they also have a little bit more of understanding that the us and them isn't that far apart. Right. 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 You know, I, so. I think the, uh, you know, when, when people are um, in a new crisis, uh, that can be a time of deconstruction, right? You know, we see that often with our, our friends in, in faith that yeah. uh, some, some are young and some are older. Uh, yeah. There can be this deconstruction of uh, what do I really believe? What, do I, what am I really holding on to? And uh, while, while we look at, at that crisis of faith, 
I think we also have to recognize the deconstruction that goes on on the mission floor. You know, that, uh, that there are people who uh, they were uh, in that uh, Canadian religion of what, what you say the Trinity was, comfort, control, and convenience. Convenience. Yeah, and, and when, that, when that God uh, lets you down and, and now you're, you have nothing and, 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 and you are just trying to figure out how to survive and you're disillusioned because yeah. all of the things that you could count on have disappointed you and let you down. Right. So, so the... That mat on the mission floor can yeah. be holy ground. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we pray. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so you're kind of, uh, it's interesting. You're kind of uh, helping people in their deconstruction, aren't you? Well, religious recovery is a big part. I, yeah. I learned through the grief recovery method and, and I did uh, intense grief work myself for a number of years with a wonderful lady named Darlene. And, um, but then the grief recovery method gave me some action items that I could share with people, mm -hmm. but live through them with them too at the same time. And uh, what it does is it, it, it brings comfort. And, mm -hmm. but people, you know, we all know, or many of us that we're gonna see this, <laughs> or that, uh, you know, the Beatitudes, but we don't put actions on them. So blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Hmm. Mm. That doesn't go with convenience, comfort, and control, right? Yeah. No, yeah. I, I want to opt out of that one, Jesus. And so blessed are those who grieve. Well, we think we grieve because we put on black clothes, right? Yeah. Um, but that's on the outside. And that's good if that's what you feel to do. But there's, there's ways to have more completion and give God an opportunity. And a lot of that now, obviously, uh, I'm full-time involved with Indigenous and Métis and, uh, and Inuit, you know. So, I mean, in a big way, our hospice, we, we cater to that group of people a lot. And, uh, and in the community, I had a drop-in center for 18 years right across the street from me. They came after we were there for uh, Indigenous people. So, I mean... And they were back and forth inside each other, you know, our doorways were neighbors, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, but that said, grief, man, man, when you, when you take, when you unload those suitcases and people start to feel lighter, um, you're right. It's, it is, it's a putting it back together again. And, uh, you know, all the king's horses, all the king's men can't do it. People have to be involved in their own grieving process and learning to take some actions with, again, somebody that's beside you lovingly, you know, saying, doesn't matter if you do, uh, you know, the seven week program, it doesn't matter. It's good. I have that. We teach that. I show that. But, you know, what, what matters is that you're not cut off from love and mercy and grace. And so that's what we, that's what I believe in the function of that grief stuff. And I mean, mm -hmm. um, you don't have to explain to people. <laughs> that they've lost right right they, it's like uh their heart's broken that's what i switched the conversation is like you have a broken heart mm. and in this city if you have a broken heart you go to the heart institute right right and and they don't say walk up to the fifth floor 
they put you on a stretcher, like immediately. And they start helping you to find out how they can help you. And they ask you your history and, or they have it in the computer or whatever. And they go back and they, they help you. And so, um, you know, I mean, there's lots of old rock and roll Christian songs about broken hearts and stuff, but <laughs> we, we, we know them all. <laughs> that's our business. That's yeah. our work. You know, I mean, that's what they, I don't know if it's actually okay to use this word because I used it for a long time, but I don't think it shows up in any dictionary. But at Capital City Mission, we created that over years. We just focused on incarnational ministry. Mm-hmm. And the presence, and so believe in praying that the presence will be with us when we talk to people, when we listen to people. And then as I went along my path, this grief recovery work came into place. And it's like, I went there, took the course. And the first time I'm there, they go, we're going to train you to be hearts with ears. And I'm like, wow, (laughs) does the Bible say anything about having hearts with ears? It's powerful. People know when you actually do listen to them and you don't tell them anything, you just relax with them and they share their feelings. So that's, that's, that's a big, that's a big, a big, a big factor of what we do, mm. what I do. Um, considering the, the current challenges um, we're facing, uh, where do we need to go to ensure that the most vulnerable are cared for? Uh, you know, there's, um, um, and when I talk about current challenges, uh, I mean, uh, just the the increase of poverty in the streets, the um, uh, the challenge uh, that uh, is being faced around COVID regulations and not being able to serve people and have hospitality at the same capacity that that we did at one time. Uh, I think you're you're onto something there when you talk about that, you know, one on one. You know, as you are on the streets and yeah. you respond to an individual, um, yeah. you're, you're doing something that, you know, maybe the program is, is three steps ahead uh, after, yeah. after that. So, um, yeah, how, how can we all get involved? How can we ensure uh, in our community that the most vulnerable are cared for? And how do we define the most vulnerable? Um, so I'm going to use a little picture that I think uh, God's helped me to kind of ponder for the last few weeks. And that's this idea about, uh, so when you live in a shelter, you don't decide which side of the bed you're going to sleep on. Mm. When you sleep in a shelter, you get in the side of the bed that is not against the wall, in our shelter anyway. Right. And, and I would say that drawing closer to um, not just understanding, not just information, but just starting to, uh, you know, actively try to uh, do some things in our lives. And by the way, they, they would be inconvenient and they wouldn't be comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I'm not asking people to go downtown wherever they are and hug, you know, drug, drug addicts. It's, is maybe we need to change mm-hmm. and we need a, the grace of God 
to accept what he wants to change in us. Now, I can't even start to imagine what church is going to look like in five years from now because of this sort of sabbatical of attendance and singing together. I know we've all tried virtuals. We've watched them. We've been part of them ourselves. And God bless everybody for doing the virtuals. And I mean, this is unprecedented. Like, you're right. I mean, whether it was, you know, whatever time, people stood on a mountain and preached, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just the new mountain. Virtual, that's all it is. But the fellowship and what I was saying before, the belonging, I mean, that, the, the, you know, way, I mean, who knows what that's going to look like. But if we want to reset and respond instead of reacting, and I think through history, churches have reacted a lot to different trends and different things that happened and like, oh, that's over there. That's what's working. Let's do this here and things like this. And uh, so we have like patterns that we've gone through. I think it comes down to where people will need to become personal about saying, I'm going to sacrifice beyond. I'm going to be, it's not going to be convenient. It's not going to be comfortable, but there's people dying everywhere and they need the love of Jesus. And it just sounds like, so I know maybe dogmatic, but God is in control. We're not. And if the pandemic didn't teach us, you know, it has to teach us. It has to be that we see, because we see in society how there's so much power for control Mm -hmm. coming upon us, uh, upon things that, and uh, I mean, this isn't a right wing, left wing, any wing thing. I'm just trying to It's a people thing. And it's a spiritual thing. Yeah. I, I, I read this morning in, uh, one of the other influences that I've had in the last few years is liturgy reading the gospels every day. And just today, when I opened it up to read it, why do you not know how to interpret the present time? Wow. Luke 12 verse 56. And he's like, you know how to, you know, you know, you look at the weather, you know how to do this, you know that I'm saying, in the world we live in, people don't even know how to look at the weather. They look at their phone to figure out the weather, right? They, mm. It's not raining out, but my phone says it's raining. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, he's talking about, you look at the weather, you look at this, you look at that. That's Jesus, right? And this is the time, I believe, when we talk about these kind of things is, you know, it's in, it, it, it was like, I said, I, I tried it with a few people. I said, you know what? Why don't we we're married people. Why don't we just talk to our wives and try sleeping on the opposite side of the bed for a week? No way. <laughs> oh, That's no happening. way. <laughs> okay. It's only an illustration to see that maybe we're going to have to change how we live mm-hmm. to be neighbors and, and not think, you know, so outside here and so far ahead, but actually think about, I did a funeral for uh, a guy uh, at the beginning of COVID. I was in my elevator. There's 200 units in this building I'm in right now. This is where you live, right? This is where I sleep. Yeah. And so I happen, I very seldom wear uh, stuff with names or words on it, like, because just not, (laughs) it's not me. So anyway, so, but I had. You're developing your own brand. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's anyway this is dicky actually but <laughs> so uh, um 
so this guy sees this thing and he goes, my dad died in that hospice. Okay. This is, this is sort of like a really neat story, but it's pretty pathetic. So what happens is I go, oh, when did he pass away in the hospice? He said, oh, right at the beginning of COVID. I said, I got to know him. It, and so his name's Andy, right? And so we had this big talk about Andy. This just wasn't any guy. This guy was a guy that called the mission. This has never happened with anybody else. He had called the mission hospice. He couldn't come in to see his dad because of the COVID rules. Okay. And I'm the guy seeing his dad. And he's actually a very, uh, he's a theologian. He's a theologian in uh, sort of uh, an order of the Anglican church that's uh, very much like, it's sort of like the Vatican law, but he's into the Anglican, whatever that order is. <laughs> I'm good. Anyway, so I'm on the elevator with a guy that I talked to a year and a half ago about his dad dying and how concerned he was that his dad would get somebody beside him that loved Jesus. Wow. And he's like, if I actually drew a line, he's probably 20, 30 meters from me. And we talked on the phone a year and a half ago for an hour and a half. And we didn't know yeah. it. Yeah. So if you don't believe in the providence of God, just this aside, you know, like, <laughs> it's like, and now I got a new friend, right? I mean, mm -hmm. and he just needed that encouragement back then. It's not, it's not necessarily convenient to take that call at nine o'clock on a night to, to say to somebody, you know, but it's actually my calling. Yeah. And I believe just God wants us to go out of our conveniences and go out of our comfort zones and, and the accommodators, mm -hmm. they're going to continue to hash it out. Yeah. You're not probably a accommodator or you could join an accommodator group, which is we're talking about institutions and thank God we have them and you could be involved with them. But the more personal, the, the, the bigger the reward, because this is what you take to heaven. Right. What you gave. Yeah. You don't take what you get, uh, you know, from others. It's what. And so I, I really feel like that little picture. I mean, it, I, I think that um, we have a hard time thinking about change. Mm. And at the church, the way the church usually used to function, I know you have a, a different culture uh, where you pastor and whatnot, but a lot of it is, you know, um, you know, like, can we not see the climate? Can we not see what's happening in people's lives? I mean, the, the fear factor and now the yeah. control factor. And I mean, it's so every time today, mercy. Mm -hmm. Today, while we're recording, uh, we're it's October 22nd. Uh, this podcast will uh, be released. I let me see, get my uh, date straight. I think uh, this will be a two-parter, probably on November fifteenth and December first. So by the time this comes out, uh, so many of the things that we're talking about, you know, uh, in terms of poverty in the street and and Jesus, those things are going to be consistent. Uh, yeah. What what may not be consistent is where we're at in terms of uh, regulations and and uh, what's what what are we being uh, given now? Um, at, last night um, I was uh, watching some clips on on YouTube and there was one that particularly um, haunted me uh, and I thought about it again this morning. 
And that was uh, in a city in Quebec, uh, there was a silent protest. I don't know about you, but when I see noisy protests where people are in the streets yeah. and yelling and, and uh, you know, and if there's vandalism and stuff, um, yeah. I, 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 I understand why people are protesting that way, but the silent yeah. protest, I saw hundreds of people line in lines and and they were all uh, either first responders or uh, people connected to them hundreds and hundreds of them and they were all just standing in lines with their arms linked yeah. and some of them had their heads down some of them were looking into the sky i saw one woman bursting into tears and and it, it was around this whole proof of vaccination and losing their jobs after being the frontline workers for all this time. Yeah. Because they wouldn't be vaccinated. And, uh, you know, um, I know that um, in, in your organization, uh, they've taken the proof of vaccination step and, and, and I, I'm not, I don't want to throw them or any other organization no. off the bus. That's not my heart at all. Uh, yeah. But, um, you know, people want, some people want to whitewash all, all the people not getting vaccination while they're just all conspiracy theorists. Yeah. You know, um, I, I'd say that, no, there's a lot of people that are not getting vaccinated. Um, and, I, and, I, and whether they do or not, I, I, that's, that's according to your conscience, as far as I yeah. see it. But, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the fact of the matter that, that people who are dissenting, people who are conscientiously objecting, um, they're not just naive people that you know don't ask questions in fact they ask a lot of questions and and so how how do you see this affecting um us as canadians the, this effect of firing people um that that conscientiously object uh, and, uh, you know, there's, I'm not talking about snowflakes. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not talking about conspiracy theorists. I'm talking about people who have given their lives uh, to serve the community that are now losing their jobs. What's, what's going on, Tim? What, what's this, what's this doing to us as a nation? Well, it's, it's radically changing our whole culture. And our, I mean, our work culture, our whole culture, all at once, one brush. That's what I believe. And what it's going to do is, again, on top of this sort of thing that's been bouncing around for a few years with trendy things coming uh, that are, are really very troubling things from topics about race groups and things like that. Troubling things about the actual... Uh, anthropology of human beings, the lack of virtue and the lack of ethics and all these things. 
all of a sudden, when we thought an individual with weird hair was our biggest problem in North America, all of a sudden, like this, we have this like, um, you can judge people. Uh, our leader of our country a couple months ago said, these people should be condemned. Yeah. So that's a disastrous comment. Mm -hmm. uh, not any time in our history I, that I know of. I mean, I think there was a lot of people were judged for all kinds of things, but, you know, we sort of have this idea that, you know, um, um, that people shouldn't be judged for. And actually that passage of scripture goes on to talk about how, like, make sure you try to make reconciliation and not go to the justice because this might cost you everything. Well, that's what's happened. That just, that just came. <laughs> it's the same passage. It's a setup, Tim. It's a setup. Holy You're getting Spirit. messages. Anyway, <laughs> the Holy Spirit. Anyway, so, but it's the same, it's the same thing. It's like mercy triumphs over judgment and different parts of faith groups were known for judging people and condemned for judging people. But now general society is free to judge people based on their own on their own conscience and not only that to give them a derogatory name like i mean it lacks so much wisdom right mm -hmm. and so it's what i believe has happened is you know the overwhelmingly of influencers and knowledge knowledge without any wisdom without any virtue without any kind of ethics has come to a place where i mean it doesn't matter what you know it doesn't matter what you feel this is what you need to do. And this is what you will have to do. I, I don't even want to say it on the, but I'm going to say, it. I think last night that one, some official in the government, I don't know what level is now making reference that if you do lose your job, you're not going to get EI because you could have taken vaccinations. So that's an extreme comment. Somehow yeah. my wife showed me that last night um, just before I was supposed to go to sleep. And I'm like, why do you show me that now? <laughs> I can yeah. wait till tomorrow. And, and so, I mean, it, it's like all other things. I mean, this kingdom, this nice place of Canada, we're always known to be sort of like easygoing and very like, oh, well, we're Canadians, right? All of a sudden, it's like radically, that's why I said it's a complete cultural change to how we expect people to listen to yeah. us. Yeah. And it's not like we having a conversation. Here's what it is. This is what you need to do. So bringing it back to home, it was very troubling last two weeks with some, uh, we did not have that many people, but we did have some people and um, who, you know, and they almost all said it for 16 months, we were heroes. Mm -hmm. You just kept on telling us we were heroes. And then we went from heroes to you don't matter. Heroes to villains. Yeah. They usually use the word zero. Yeah. Right. That's it. You're gone. Canceled. And so, I mean, so I think some of the things that were going on in our culture were just immature things around, you know, like, like I'm not saying that people don't do bad things and we need to have discussions, but the wisdom of where those discussions are should not be on social media. They shouldn't be on Dr. Phil. They shouldn't be on TV where people are bearing out their brokenness and their heart. It should be in a private place as we talk about the street where you actually 
you're in the street, but no one else is listening and a person can confide in somebody that cares, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but it's become entertainment. It's become, well, yeah, you know. It, yeah, it's, it's the Coliseum. It is. You know, the, it, that's, well, social media is becoming the Coliseum where you can watch people be devoured by lions. It's a desire. It's a circus. Uh, we call it circus in my house. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it is a circus. And so, you know, when we talk about what, you know, Christians can do, what can people do? They can. I've seen a couple of the silent uh, things too around Canada. It happened in Calgary not long ago with uh, frontline uh, people and whatnot. I think, um, you know, um, it's, I know we have an intercession prayer group. I've had an intercessory prayer group with me. One of the things I didn't mention through this whole thing is that's also on, on the um, shoulders of people that since I left for Bible college in 1987, I believe God has just been so faithful to help me help others mm. and by his grace. And I believe in this circumstance, I'm just old fashioned enough that we, if we can do anything, we know uh, some of us, we believe that this is spirits and principalities yeah. and that yeah. we cannot fight it with flesh. Right. So silent auction, I we believe in that. If you feel motivated to do that, but boy, again, the inconvenience of getting up earlier and going to bed later and being on your knees. Mm. Um, this is the way this kingdom comes. And a couple of days ago in the liturgy, reading, it was about the kingdom. He did not come. He didn't come to bring it. He wants us to have peace, but he didn't mm. think this would, there would be a division. And right mm. now the kingdom of darkness is separating, 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 but there is a return. Yeah. And and Jesus will return and it will divide. You know, yeah. Larry Norman's one of my Larry Norman songs, you know, yeah. two people at the well. Yeah. You know, those songs. Two men walking <laughs> up the hill. Yeah. You know, Matthew 24, Jesus is talking about the signs of the end of the age. And he he says, I don't want you to be troubled about this. Yeah. And and I and I think that that that's something that that the church has to recover is it's not a uh, you know tea party on the deck of the Titanic like oh it does you know we'll just keep yeah. doing what we always did but in 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 becoming aware of how dark things are and how you know things are taking shape. Jesus says to his followers, um, I, I, I want you to have peace. In other words, there's a, the, the whole world might be collapsing, but the kingdom yeah. of God might be opening up. And, Absolutely. And, and so when we think post-COVID, if we want to just bring it down to our own um, personal perspective, that's what we need to be thinking about. We need to be yeah. thinking about um, the glory of his coming, whether that yeah. is the actual return or yeah. it's what, how Jesus is showing up in people's lives, that coming, yeah. that coming is, is, is the great precedent, isn't it? Yes. You know, to, to see 
um, how Jesus um, meets people on their sleeping mat on the mission floor. And, uh, and that may be uh, the side of the bed that, that we wake up on. Uh, and, uh, but don't be troubled about that. Oh boy, we're so troubled. <laughs> well, and, and I mean, there's, uh, for me personally, the only way I believe, and I have, so I have 90 year old people praying with me, people have mm -hmm. been praying for, and I mean, daily, weekly, and, and we're on Zooms and prayer and whatnot. And we're not just listening to uh, all the, I mean, Ironside old preachers said, you know, where there's light, there's bugs. And, and so we're going, you know, you don't see them if the lights are off, right? So mission floors, cockroaches, bed mm -hmm. bugs, everything, yeah. right? clean it all, sanitize it again the next day. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the light's there. And I mean, we, we believe that that's, I believe that that's how we need to continue on. And that's why I'm saying redefining the way people, you know, don't live their life to bring people to church but to be church, you know, be church, be, be, be praying for people, uh, be inconveniencing yourself wherever you go. You don't have to go downtown to do that. Right. I mean, this yeah. is our, this is our, our calling. I think, um, you know, we really, we really, really need to uh, see this as, I mean, we're, we're, we could be the ones that actually see the return of the Lord. Yeah. And I mean, I know you know Gordon Adder. Okay? Yes. Yeah. And I went to Spring Bay camp. I still go to the island every summer. And, and I mean, he one of the best lines in his book, Third Wave, I think it was called. I, I want a copy of it. I don't have one. But my, my, prayer, my prayer intercessors that work with me and they pray with me and for the things that are our hearts, um, they, they got it. And they ordered it somewhere and they got it. But here's the line, eh? I don't care how high you jump. It's how straight you walk when you come down. And I go back to this thing. Like you're never walking on water unless you walk on the street. You mm -hmm. need to walk in the street and, and church. I've had the water walks. I've had the high times, you know, the, the charismatic experiences and all that. It's wonderful. It's great. It's to encourage our faith. Mm -hmm. that God still does the supernatural. He still walks with us. He's got a presence with us. But what about walking when it's not comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's not comfortable. And this is where he's left us as, as you know, a country, as, as a world. And um, so I really believe that um, the Holy Spirit is going to help us. He's going to guide us like he always has. And, uh, you know, our, our father just wants us to talk to him more about it. And he will, you know, because we're the loss of comfort. Like everyone lost their comfort zone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everybody lost their convenience. Right. And the only thing we're still grappling with is control. Mm. And so, and the street people actually know more about that. They walk every day feeling they have absolutely no control. Right. And so we can meet and, and we can say, you know what? I know somebody that loves us both. And, uh, and he wants to be our controller. He wants to be the one that helps us just gradually get, get to know him and get to, get to heaven. Mm. 
and, and it is the meek that will inherit the earth. That, that encourages me. <laughs> that encourages me to keep trying to figure out how to be meek and, yeah. uh, and, and to recognize meekness in others. And uh, Tim, uh, just uh, this has been uh, rich. And uh, I know that uh, you spent some of your inheritance by opening your mouth today. And uh, <laughs> thank you. Well, thank, you for, thank you yeah. for sharing that wealth. And uh, God bless you, Tim. Thank you. It's been a blessing to be with you. I've put links into uh, the show notes for the podcast. You can find them on our website. And uh, you can contact uh, Timothy Meisenheimer, uh, find contact through there, or you can reach out to me if you want to get in touch with them. Uh, on our next episode, I'm going to be talking to Scott Cooper. Uh, Scott Cooper is a, an urban mission worker uh, in Peterborough, Ontario. This small city of 60,000 people um, has a significant homeless population and uh, we're going to hear Scott talk about how uh, after several years of effective ministry as a pastor in churches he felt this midlife calling uh, to go to the streets and he's new at it it's just in his first year so um, looking forward to uh, sharing that interview with you on our next uh, episode so until then uh, stay tuned. I'm Kevin Rogers, and this is Sidewalk Skyline Podcast.